whether or not you forgive is your choice. And, and society, unfortunately, doesn't particularly support love and forgiveness in the way that it supports blame and shame and con condemnation. Hi, everybody. I'm Katina McHenry. Welcome to another episode of Fuck Fear. Thank you for staying with us and listening to each of these episodes. Today, we are talking about fear of forgiving family members, which that feels so heavy because I know so many of us in our lives are working through that and some of us can't forgive family members. So I wanna welcome my guest today who is Kim Kennedy. And I'm so excited to have her. I discovered her on NPR where she's done interviews about forgiveness. Uh, since 2001, she has been a life coach, a life transforming coach. Uh, and since 2000, she has been certified to teach Heal Your Life workshops. And she's also experienced in something called radical forgiveness, which we're going to talk about that today. So welcome, Kim. Thank you Thank so you. much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yes. Well, let's start with our first question, which is, what are you afraid of? What am I afraid of? <laughs> well, you know, most people don't want to admit they're afraid of anything. And mm -hmm. I, I probably fall into that category. But uh, I have to confess that I retired in uh, August of 19, uh, 2019. And I, I've been struggling with... Um, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? You know, yes. because, because people, are, you know, people are dying at 95, you know, 92. And so I've got probably, I'm 65. So I've got, you know, close to 30 years left. Yeah. And I, I don't think I had planned for those years in terms of occupation. What am I actually going to do with my time? Um, like I did for my first, you know, work, work world you know the time that i right after college i was kind of on a path and and so forth so anyway i'm just um i don't want to get older with uh nothing of interest to do mm -hmm. <laughs> so that, that, i know what you mean <laughs> yeah that whole retirement syndrome that's what i'm a little bit nervous about right now oh well <laughs> Well, look, I'll keep you busy. As long as you, you want to keep doing these, we'll, we'll have plenty of topics to talk about. So <laughs> okay. that's, that's always good. Uh, well, let's get into it. So today we're talking about fear of forgiving family members. And I, I feel like as we, uh, as we evolve into adults and uh, be, you know, and grow older, I think that a lot of us bring some of that trauma or abuse or whatever it is we were that happened to us as children along with us through adulthood. And, and I've heard people say, and I feel like I've experienced this too, is like family sometimes treat you worse than other people in your life, mm -hmm. which, uh, you know, brings a lot of resentment. So can you talk through just, just in your years of experience and dealing with family members um, and, and how they work through forgiveness, but why they're afraid to forgive each other? Well, I would say people uh, are to forgive anyway um huh. yeah it's not i don't i wouldn't say it's just family members they have more family members to forgive because we all have family members to forgive because sure. they're the ones who are around us um but i think we're afraid because we don't know how one mm -hmm. how do you forgive nobody never my mother certainly didn't teach me how to forgive 
<clears throat> she taught me a lot of things, but that wasn't one of them, you yeah. know, because she was angry at, at the postman and the grocery store man <laughs> and <laughs> the milkman. And, you know, she has issues with everybody and she mm -hmm. never talked about, oh, I really should forgive them. So, you know, most people don't know how. And then when if you were to forgive, it means that it, it the implication is that you are condoning it. Right. That you're like saying it's OK or you're weak. There's so many reasons why people are afraid to forgive. You know, I don't want anybody thinking I'm weak. Some of the people I've worked with, it just seemed like they needed permission to forgive. Mm. Like, please, they didn't say it, but I could tell the way they embraced the work that they were just so grateful that they could do it without feeling weak and um, used and abused and all of that. <clears throat> just the thought of forgiving scared them because yeah. they didn't want to be taken advantage of or whatever. And so to have somebody say, oh, it's okay, you can forgive was actually a relief to many, many people. Mm -hmm. So when you say permission, who, who, where do we get the permission from to forgive? And, and, and then talk about like not knowing how to forgive. What, what does that really mean? Not knowing how to, not only because we're taught, but when you talk about being afraid to forgive because it, seem, it makes us seem weak or we're condoning the behavior. So how do we, how do you work through those things? Like, and, and, and what does that really mean? Okay. Um, <clears throat> Well, I'm sorry. What was the very first thing you said? Yeah. So I know I asked you a lot because this is a big, it feels very, you know, like I said at the beginning, it feels very heavy. But when you talk about permission, what does that mean? Who does the permission come from? Uh, permission is really, it really comes from you yourself, but no, but, but people again, don't know that it's a choice. It is a choice. We can choose to be loving or we can choose to be um, condemning. It's a choice. Mm -hmm. Nobody's making us. I have personally, I've committed to never having another argument because I choose not to. I just choose that not to be the life I lead. Um, and so um, whether or not you forgive is your choice. And, and society, unfortunately, doesn't particularly support love and forgiveness in the way that it supports blame and shame and con condemnation. You know, um, if you were, if, if I were to talk about some date that I had that the guy didn't show up and I go tell my girlfriend, what are they going to do is say, Ooh, I know you kicking him to the curb. You know, <laughs> I know you're not going to let that see him again. That's, you know, that what a, you know, not, rarely would they say, I wonder if he's okay. Mm -hmm. I wonder if something happened. Mm -hmm. Have you heard from him? You know, so it's a choice. We can choose to love or we can choose to condemn. Yeah. And truthfully, there are only two real emotions, love and fear. And so either you're acting out of love or you're acting out of fear, one or the other. And choice. always a choice. Wow. So if when I talk about what's the difference, you want to go into radical forgiveness, what it is now? Well, sure. before we get to that, I want to talk a little bit more just, just in family dynamics. Mm -hmm. So, so after you give yourself permission to forgive, I mean, you know, we hold on to things that family has done to us. It could be in, in some people's perspective, small or big, mm -hmm. but so after you go through the, the, the process of permission, 
Um, how do you not seem weak? Because I think I mean, I, I think that I experienced that personally, not only not seeming weak, but being but but thinking about forgiveness in a sense that if I if I forgive that person, it does condone their behavior and gives them permission to do it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's trust me until I discovered I can't I can't quite get away from radical forgiveness because it makes all the difference. But until I discovered it. I was right there. I felt absolutely justified in hating my brother. Mm-hmm. My, my brother had done some things to my parents. And so you mess with my, pa- you know, my yes. parents. Yes. There's no forgiving that. There's just no forgiving that. Yeah. Until you have a whole different perspective on forgiveness. And that's what radical forgiveness brings. It's a whole different perspective on pers- forgiveness. Traditional forgiveness is just basically you done me wrong, but I'm spiritual now, so I'm going to forgive you. Right. But you done, you still did me wrong. Or I'm going to let water run under the bridge, but you did me wrong. Right. You know, all of that is about, it's about condemnation versus forgiveness. There are two energies trying to occupy the same space. And they can't. You cannot condemn and forgive at the same time. You know, you've got to let one go. Condemnation is always going to be heavier. It's going to be more popular (laughs) in society. So it's going to be the one that generally wins out. And, um, And until you develop a whole different way of looking at the situation, which with radical forgiveness, we say, uh, we say, first of all, that everything happens for our spiritual growth, no matter what it is, no matter how tragic or horrible or whatever, uh, despicable, it happens for our spiritual growth and our higher self invited the experience for, for, our, for, the, for just that, for the spiritual growth of it, for yeah. the learning, for the lessons. And you never know what our soul has, in plan, has planned. We don't never ever know what ministry is gonna come out of those experiences. Yeah. How many, how many uh, teachers and preachers have come out of tragic childhoods, you know? Um, there's a great book called The Legacy of the Heart, The Spiritual Advantages of a Painful Childhood. Hmm. Um, and so, so what happens is with radical forgiveness, we say everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for our spiritual growth, which means nothing bad really happens. You know, it's a whole different perspective. Uh-huh. Nothing bad happens. And yeah. everything is for our good. Yeah. So uh, really, there's nothing for us to forgive. But with radical forgiveness, we don't expect you to jump to that. Oh, you just slapped me in the face. It's okay. No, we don't expect that. But we do. So radical forgiveness provides tools that people can use to help shift them from a mindset of fear and victimhood to one of love and gratitude. Because the, the other very challenging thing to accept with radical forgiveness is if you spot it, you got it. What does that mean? That says that you can't see in someone else what isn't in you. Oh, I see. Yeah. You just can't see. So if you see, if somebody is abusive to you, either you are abusive to others or you believe you deserve the abuse. And that's why you attract it into your life on a, a spiritual subconscious level. We attract to us what we need to heal. I have never found a situation where that did not 
bear out. However, sometimes you can't identify what it is. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't, but it doesn't really matter. I, I trust it now. <laughs> Would you like me to give you a little example? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is, this is a small one. There's a lot. I got a million of them, but this is a small example. Um, <clears throat> when I was studying, um, I was studying with Fiona Van Zant and her staff, and we were up at Omega Institute in New York, and this was the very first week of our training, and um, I took the people on her staff and her <laughs> to be very sarcastic. I'm saying, here we are, we broke down and penniless and trying to get our healing on. And mm -hmm. it, it just seemed like everything they said to me was sarcastic. But at the same time, she was saying to us, there's only two people in your world at any given time, you and God. And if it isn't merciful, loving and wonderful like God, then it's you. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to test that out. I came home and took my daughters out to dinner. And I said, if I say anything sarcastic, I'll give you 50 cents each. They cleaned me out. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't deny it. Every time, I, every time I said something, they would say, well, now that's sarcastic. I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. If anybody had said to me that I had a sarcastic nature, I would have denied it. I just didn't. Really? I, really, I really had not embraced that as part of who I was. Yeah. But I saw it in those teachers and therefore it must be in me or I wouldn't have been able to see it in them. Yeah. So <clears throat> after a year of studying with them and coming to a new place in my thinking and my consciousness, the same group of teachers, we were walking up a hill and they were singing to all of us out by name, you know, we love you, Kim and blah, blah, blah. So the whole image of them has switched in, in yeah. that year because I had changed in that yeah. year. So, so with radical forgiveness, whatever you see is you and it's a part of you that's up for healing. And that's why I can so easily say, I never intend to have another argument. Because I know it's not about me. It's I mean, not about them. It's about right. me. Right. And they're showing me something that I need to heal, to work on, to accept in myself, to love about myself. And it's just an indication of the work I need to do on me. Yeah. And for that, I'm grateful. Do you, you know? think the work of radical forgiveness is more crucial in a family or does it really matter? Because I, oh, I mean, relationships with family obviously are closer and more bonded obviously. Mm -hmm. So do you think it's more crucial in a family, in a, in a family or in a family well, dynamic? You, you, you kind of asking the wrong person because I, <laughs> <laughs> I think radical forgiveness is uh, revolutionary. And I think that everybody could benefit from it because, and I've seen so many benefit from it that I, I just believe it's, it's a whole, it's, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's a mm. lifestyle. It's just a way of living that you don't blame your mirror. If you're looking in the mirror, if that's your mirror and you're looking in the mirror and you see lipstick coming down your face, you don't go to the mirror to fix it. Right. You come to yourself to right. correct it. It's the same concept. You have to do the work within yourself right. and then the mirror will change because everything, everything that is in our world is coming from within us. It's all, yeah. uh, it's like a projection, uh, projector out to the world. So if I find myself in a place where I'm dealing with people who are 
angry and upset and you know I, I then I know it's coming from me I'm angry and I'm upset right. on some level you know yeah and you don't have to know the exact incident because some of the healing comes from childhood trauma that you can't even remember right I mean I know that some of my trauma happened when I was in utero um, those huh. are some of the wounds I took on and I've seen them play out in my life. How do you but, know that? How do you know that? Well, the stories my mom told me yeah. what was going on, you know, the, 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 the crazy going on in the household at the time. Yeah. Can you so talk I, a little bit about that? Sure. Um, um, my mother couldn't have a baby. My father begged her to get the operation so she could. She did. Soon she gets pregnant with my brother, my older brother. She he um, starts cheating, and so your dad, my dad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now, then she gets pregnant with me. Now she's not only mad at him, but she's mad at herself for getting pregnant again. Mm -hmm. So I'm marinating in nine months of pissosity. <laughs> Not to mention the number of years afterwards that they were still at each other's throat before they finally got divorced. Yeah. So yeah, I grew up and, and when I, no wonder when I married my first husband, you know, I thought love meant arguing. Oh, of course. Cause that's all you saw. That's all I saw. And heard and experienced and was in the midst of. And I also thought, okay, they say uh, confession, good for the soul, bad for the reputation. <laughs> <laughs> I also saw my father cheating. And or, I mean, I knew he had cheated. How old and were you when you realized? That he had about 13. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And, you know, so what? I'm in the middle of puberty. And right. there's my father cheating. So I, um, when I got married, I said, I remember specifically saying this to myself, do unto others before they do unto you. Mm. So I cheated. Do unto others before they do unto you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. You know, I mean, it was, it was my infantile, you know, um, philosophy, look on life. You know, my dad did it. He's my husband's going to do it. Let me do it. Right. So, okay. So fast forward to my second husband. I was in a much better place. I was much more um, concerned about what doing the right thing. And I, I didn't cheat on him, but I had attracted him, but I did feel bad about the first marriage. And so I attracted him to punish me for mm. the first, you know, mm -hmm. subconsciously, but he was verbally abusive. And, and so I attracted that until I finally started waking up, like I said, at, uh, after my second divorce, I started realizing that I was the only common denominator in those marriages. And it was time for me to do some spiritual seeking to yeah. find out what was going on with me. Yeah. So I realized, you know, I had done wrong. I had done my husband a, a disservice. And then I brought my second husband in to pay me back for it. And yeah. In looking back, I'm not mad at anybody. You know, I, I am grateful for the lessons so that I can, one, teach and two, um, avoid yeah, <laughs> right. anything like that again. So how do you think fear played a part in your decisions? One, seeing your dad cheat and deciding to do whatever you did to confront him or not confront him. And then later on, 
in both your marriages? How do you think fear played a part in how you decided to forgive or not forgive until you did? Um, well, I didn't, I just didn't think about forgiveness at all mm -hmm. with my father until I started doing this work. But then I realized that he was, you know, the catalyst for my actions. Sure. But, you know, it's, again, it's not like I want to blame him. It's a thank, it's a thanking him when I'm right. doing the forgiveness. It's almost like a thank you for um, giving me the choice mm -hmm. to choose again. And, yeah. and yeah, I mean, you do the work to shift the energy. I had absorbed that energy. I had absorbed that mindset and the radical forgiveness work helps you to let that energy go. Stop owning it, stop living with it. Let it get, let, let it get out of your system. Yeah. And um, I did not know to do that before. I didn't know to do that. <clears throat> so I let it go. Um, I've not had anybody that I know of uh, in my life cheat on me since, and I, don't, I haven't cheated on anybody else. <laughs> That whole energy is gone. Yeah. But I did have a period where I was attracting married men. And um, I, 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 I do forgiveness work on anybody that disturbs my peace. And so that had begun to disturb my peace that I was attracting married men. So I did, I would do work on them and not even know their names. You know, I would use the radical forgiveness tools because I just always want to shift my energy. I don't know sure. anything more important than shifting your energy because your energy is what attracts your, the things into your life, people and situations into your life. Yeah. So I would do the work, shift my energy until that stopped, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so your experience in radical forgiveness, I read, came to you um, from a book written by Colin Tippin, which is mm -hmm. called Radical Forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So what about the, the literature and the material attracted you to want to do the, to want to do work and, and also what attracted you to want to go into it and become a radical forgiveness coach? I, I think it was just meant to be, honestly. I think it's why I moved to Atlanta because Colin was living here. Uh, I didn't know it at the time, but I was just absolutely, it just spoke to me. It just absolutely spoke to me. I I went, I got a gift certificate to the bookstore at church and I go bouncing in there like I couldn't afford a book. You know, just so <laughs> excited about spending this gift certificate. And uh, it was like the only book that was on the shelf. Ah, oh, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> and you had, you know, as soon as I got it, I knew I was going to be a, a coach. I knew I had to do this work. And so you had a year to study. They would send, they sent you stacks of uh, manuals and CDs, DVDs, and all kinds of information, stuff that you had to study. And I had a year to study it and to take the exam. Mm -hmm. And I got the, I got the, I took the exam within six months. I studied for six months, took the exam and you had two weeks to finish the exam. Oh my God. I hit send at the five minutes to midnight. The, oh the my gosh. <laughs> oh, boy. Nothing it, like the final hour, right? <laughs> the, the final hour. It was a tough exam. So, um, and then I saw Colin that weekend in Austin, 
coincidentally. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was speaking in Austin and I was going to a, a wedding shower in Austin, a bridal shower and saw him and I said, it took forever to finish that exam. He said, yeah, but you did it on the first time. That was amazing. So it was meant for me. It was just yeah. meant for me. And, I, you know, it's almost it's been almost 12 years. I just I just love it. I just still love the work because yeah. it really, really makes a difference. It really works. It really shifts your energy. You know, I had a client a couple of weeks ago and she said she thought she would never speak to her husband again, mm. her ex-husband. He's her ex-husband. She said she never thought she would ever speak his name. She said, but now she realizes, you know, what a blessing he was because, you know, he taught her to love herself and to stop accepting any old thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and she would not have, she would not have learned those lessons without him. So she yeah. appreciates him now. Wow. It, it took some work to get her there. <laughs> well, hearing you say that, I realize I have a lot of work to do because my, <laughs> my ex-husband is a, a very unique individual who suffers from narcissistic personality disorder. And we've been divorced more than uh, a little over 10 years. And, uh, He's he's continually suing me. He's he, this is his fourth time around, and so we are in the midst of another round of court battles, whatever. Uh, so, but I, you know, and, and I don't hate him, but I also haven't forgiven him. And I think it's I think I mean I think there are a lot of things, but when it comes to my children mm -hmm. and and how he has strategically and um in a maniacal way involved my children and, uh, and, and traumatized them. I, I am less willing to forgive for that reason. <laughs> so I, it, I, would, I would offer it's, it can be shifted because not only do you shift, but the mirror has to shift. That's yeah. the thing. I don't recommend anybody do radical forgiveness and not expect changes. Sure. I expect changes. You know, like I used to have students who would, I had, well, let me just say not, up regularly. I had one student who wrote me this email and told me what a terrible teacher I was. And it hurt me so bad. I, I, but I realized that's what I thought mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, at that point. That's what I thought about myself. So I did the radical forgiveness work. And the next email he sent was an apology. He said, you know, I just want you to know I was just getting letting off steam. And I hope you don't really take that seriously. But I, you know, I do, I believe radical forgiveness did the shifting, you know? So let's talk about where you start. When you mm -hmm. talk about shifting the energy, what mm -hmm. does that mean? And what does that require of us to do? There are tools. There are tools. One, the number one tool is a worksheet. And it's a two-page worksheet, which you can get off my website for free. Um, and you go through the worksheet and it, it's almost like uh, you're going into a prayer mode, but as you go through it, the revelations come out about how much this is about you. This isn't about them. You know, you have to talk about judgments and um, expectations and how many of those did you have for yourself? And then it talks about uh, negative core belief. How many of those have you had for years? So if you're going around with core beliefs like life not, life's not fair and nobody's going to love me, okay, <laughs> the universe says, 
okay, uh, life's not fair and nobody's going to love you. I, I'm not going to make you wrong if you want to believe that, you know? And so the, the sheet takes you through and helps you to see what, what do you believe in? Mm-hmm. What do you believe about yourself? Then it takes you through and it shows you how many other times you've had situations like this. You know, when I first went to Colin's first workshop, he asked us to write a list of people we needed to forgive. I came up with 84 people. <laughs> I was going to say, how long was your list? Did you run out of paper? <laughs> exactly. That's wow. a lot of negative energy to be walking Yes, right. You, know, you got to get that energy out of your system so that you can have a, I mean, it drains you, first of yes. all. It drains your energy. Yes. And how are you going to build a competent, joyful life? How are you going to have fun and excitement and, and do good work when you're drained by all that negative stuff you're still holding on to? Right. You know, it's, right. This, is, this is this work is miraculous and it's necessary. Yeah. And it's a lifestyle. I do it for the little things and the big things because I don't want the little things to get to be big, you know. Right. So if, if something if it's, it may seem absolutely trivial. But I'm going to do some, I'm going to do either a worksheet or there's a um, CD that has a verbal worksheet where he asks you certain questions and you and, you know, there are five stages to all of these tools. All of these tools have five stages. The first is you have to tell the story. You have to be able to tell the story because when we were children, we weren't invited to tell the story. So we have gotten in the habit of stuffing it. Mm. Just stuff all this Girl. stuff. We could spend a whole hour just about that. And all the stuff we suppress. Toxic. It's yes. toxic. Right. Absolutely. It turns into heart disease and cancer mm. and diabetes. It's physically toxic. And so... Um, you have to tell the story. The second is you have to feel those feelings. You know, even though it may have happened 10 years ago, you have to close your eyes and go to those emotions and pull them up and cry and wail and shout and scream and get that energy up and out of your body so that you can let it go, walk, put it behind you. The third stage is to collapse the story. And collapsing the story means there's the story, there's the facts, and then there's the interpretations I made up about it. Uh-huh. So daddy might have left me, but I interpreted daddy leaving me because I'm bad. You know, he left me. Well, that's an interpretation. That's not mm-hmm. necessarily true. Mm-hmm. But the pain resides in the interpretation. So we have to break those two apart, the facts and the interpretation of the facts. And that's called collapsing the story. The fourth stage of radical forgiveness is to reframe the story from the spiritual big picture. What was really going on? You know, um, what was what were God and I trying to help me to learn? What was the lesson that I was to learn? What was what was the purpose for me taking myself through this? You know, Mm -hmm. and. Sometimes you know, and sometimes you don't know, but if you, you know, but you know, you believe, if you believe that it was for your spiritual growth, that's, you know, that's the solution to that um, particular stage is, I don't know exactly what was, cause some things I don't know. I, I, some things I still don't know, Right. but I do the work and <clears throat> anyway, I'm, I'm just thinking of so many examples. I, I, let me finish this. The fifth stage is to integrate the shift. 
integrate the shift into your body. And usually I recommend people at the end of doing any radical forgive work, forgiveness work is to, you know, do some breath work, take a walk, go take a run, do some workout, do a workout just to shift the energy because you always start a radical forgiveness uh, tool in victim land and you move mm-hmm. through state, those stages and you come to the end where you're in a place of peace and love. Mm-hmm. And then you want to integrate that into your body. So you blow out, continue to blow out the rest of that negativity. Right. Yeah. It's, it's energy work. How do you address the things that you be- believe? And I know it's part of telling your story based on what you're, what you've said, the things that you believe that people have done to you deliberately where they have been strategic about doing something to you deliberately to see you react or to see you have a, a meltdown or a breakdown or wh- whatever, you know, the negative reaction. So h- how do you approach things like that, that we believe have happened I, to us? I, it's all the same. Yeah. It's all the same. It's gotcha. all, I attracted that experience into my life mm-hmm. for a reason. And I need to sit down and see if I can figure out why. But if I don't, it doesn't matter. Just do the work. You sure. just got to do the work. You just got to do the work. You know, um, the the understanding is everything happens for my spiritual growth. You know, everything happens for I, I mean, I think I liken life to that. It's like we come to the planet and we, it's like we jump into a an obstacle course. You know, and with an obstacle course, you know, you're going to get bloodied, you know, you're going to get bruised, you know, you're going to get wet and dirty and tired. But at the end of it, you're going to be so proud. So we take on these life challenges and we're always given a choice to opt for love or fear. Yeah, It is a choice. Am I going to love me and this person or am I going to fear them? If right. it's not love, it's fear. End of story. And you have to decide which side of that, you know, pendulum you want to go swing on. Yeah. Which do you want to do? Do you want to be a loving person or you want to be a fearful person? Right. And loving people are unconditionally loving. But they need tools. They need a little crutch. <laughs> and that's what <laughs> radical- <laughs> right. That's what radical forgiveness provides. Then once you have the tools, if you don't use them, you, you know, you're still just going to suffer. Right. You know? But if you use the tools, you will get out, get through it. I tell people who are thinking about divorce, don't just use the tools for a while. And it doesn't guarantee that you're not going to get divorced. Right. But what I, I, what I would guarantee is if you use the tools and you divorce, it will be amicable and peaceful. Sure. You know, it's not yeah. saying that people are meant to be together for the rest of their lives, but it is saying that you can exit that relationship in a peaceful, calm, loving manner. That right. is what radical forgiveness can provide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the the fifth um, the fifth stage of um, integrating the shift. Um, integrating the shift. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you um, after you do that? How do you continue to make sure that you protect yourself and or set boundaries? with family members or, or just, just people in general? I, you know, okay, this is me. I don't worry about things like that. Mm, mm. I don't, I have my tools and 
I feel like people are mirroring me. The sure. people in my life are going to show me me. So I don't, I can't change you. I have to work on me. If I'm gotcha. in a, if I'm a loving comp, uh, uh, considerate, happy person, I'm going to attract loving, happy people. Yeah. <laughs> I even, I even yeah. can attract hot people. Like there's this group of women who are 20 years younger than me and we hang out, you know, and we would go to nightclubs when we could. And, <laughs> <laughs> and they're all like 5'10", five, 5'11", five, and, you know, got the, plus they got the heels on and we're dancing and I'm like 5'2", in, in my flats invariably. And I'm like, oh, I love this mirror. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm looking good right now. (laughs) I'm looking really good. There must be something hot in me. (laughs) Right. You still got it. I still got it. I'm still attracting these lovely women. (laughs) So, so yeah. So everybody is your mirror. Everybody. You know, my brother used to call me he lived in California he would call me and he would not even say basically say hello he would just start talking he would just talk 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 you know there's this dog I'm on the beach and there's this dog and he's chewing up this this, blah 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 and not even say how are you is this a good time to talk nothing because he didn't think I had anything valuable to say Mm. well during those years I didn't think I had anything valuable to say that was my big existential crisis at the time. (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't coaching. I had done all this work. I wasn't coaching. I wasn't speaking. I wasn't teaching. I wasn't doing anything because I didn't think anybody wanted to hear what I had to say. Well, he spoke to me about my own belief. Whatever you see, it's you. There's only one of us here. It's really only one of us here. And so if I see it, all I will do is say, hmm, look what work I have to do. Yeah. So it sounds like after you do the work, after you go through the stages, you can't, because of the transformation your mind and soul and body goes through, you can't really get upset with people or things that happen. I don't. (laughs) You have given me like such a sense of calm. I, I mean, I see you and I'm looking at you and you are just such a calm, peaceful being. Thank you. Yes. Somebody was talking about racism the other day. I was like, I, you know, how they were in essence saying they were afraid of it or they were afraid it was coming or, you know, that they were going to experience it. I was like, you experience what you expect. I don't expect to be treated in a racist way. And I, I have worked for 50 years. I, uh, up until the 19, uh, 2019, it was 50 years. And you know, corporations, nonprofits, higher education, you name it, I've done it all. I didn't experience racism, but then I didn't expect to, you know? I mean, right. you know, maybe Ow. some 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 of the women, <laughs> some of the women might mm. give me a little trouble, but mm-hmm. now that I know radical forgiveness, nothing, nothing bothers me. Wow. Nothing bothers me that, because I realize that I'm in control of it, you know? Sure. It's, it's, it's me being mirrored, so I am in control. Right. And there's nothing more powerful than that. I can't think of too much more powerful than that. Wow. I, I don't worry about people. I don't worry about robberies. I don't worry about accidents. I, don't, I just don't worry about, you know, negative things happening to me. Yeah. 
You know, I meditate every day. Um, I, that's pretty much it. I can't say much else. <laughs> <laughs> but to be able to do that and do it effectively, I, I've never been able to do it effectively because I, I'm just. Do what? Meditate? Yes. Oh, so well, what I, makes it effective? <laughs> I don't know. What makes it effective? The only thing that makes it effective is doing it. Yeah. You just got to do it. I don't do feel it, like do I can it. quiet my mind long enough to do it. Yeah. Because I'm and like constantly thinking of stuff that I the, should. Yeah. All the more reason why you need to do it. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> I know. And I think that's what I'm afraid of because I'll have to slow down and stop. Yeah. for a period of time. Oh, but you know, it, I look, I liken it to uh, every day I get up and I take a shower and cleanse the outer me. Every day I need to meditate to cleanse the inner me. Again, mm -hmm. keeping in mind that your inside, it, you know, what's in you is going to attract your world. So I don't want chaos in my world. So I meditate, slow myself down so that I can attract peace and love and joy into my world yes you know? because what's in here is what's going to show up out here and so yeah plus the other thing is it's the one time of day you know we get up we comb our hair we take the shower we brush our teeth we we would not not do that no matter what you know yet we don't give uh 10 minutes 20 minutes 15 minutes for the holy spirit to have a have some time with us right you know? Just right. Still, right. Whoever your higher power is, give it a moment of your time of your day. Yeah. And say, please take over my day because I really don't know what to do. <laughs> right. Please help me. <laughs> please help me. Just yes. And God. I believe in that 100%. Absolutely. So, yeah. You know, even if it's 10 minutes, the Course of Miracles says five minutes will make a difference. You know, just be still for five right. minutes. Right. So I tell people all the time, yeah, if I were to tell you to go to India, climb up to the top of the mountain and sit for 12 days naked with a guru, people would say, where do I sign up? But I say, <laughs> go sit in your for 10 minutes with your eyes closed. And they say, oh, that's too hard. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's, that's what you've said is so incredible and not just powerful, but I think empowering as well. Yeah. Yeah. It when, is. when you noticed, uh, well, when you began to do the work, what did you start to notice about the, not just the people around you, but the way people around you were responding to the transformation that was happening within yourself? Well, again, it's all in how I look at it, you know, sure. I mean, in the beginning, I, I looked at it like people thought I was weird. And um, I don't know, by the time I got, actually, by the time I got to working on radical forgiveness, though, I didn't really care what people thought. Mm. I had finally outgrown that. But I remember when we first started back in uh, 2000 with Iyanla, I remember her saying, the fact that you're here makes you a misfit. And I was like, Who, what does that I mean? Because we were trying to figure out spiritual stuff, you gotcha. know, we weren't, on, we weren't focused on earthly things, trying sure. to make money or we were trying to, you know, heal and change the consciousness of the planet and that kind of thing. Right. Um, 
the fact that so she said the fact that you're here you're a misfit and I was like phew somebody gets it because <laughs> <laughs> I had felt like a misfit all before you know because it was like I don't I don't know I you know I didn't I wasn't into earthly things you know yeah this wasn't into it so, so I want to ask you one last thing what is your feeling or perspective or interpretation of the phrase. And this is something I think we've heard all of our, all of our lives, forgive and forget. Mm. Um, forgive and forget would be a good thing. Um, forgiving and not forgetting is not helpful, mm-hmm. you know, but for, it's it, what you want to forget is the um, feeling wounded and feel, feeling as if somebody has done something to you mm-hmm. you know because if you use the radical forgiveness theory nothing bad ever happens sure everything is for our spiritual growth so you forgive them and move on you know it's it's easier to do because you have tools and i only spoke of the worksheet but there's dozens of tools yeah dozens of tools that are useful to help you and people pick what you know works for them yeah but yeah you don't want to um, you don't want to remember it like it's some huge tragedy, but at the same time, it doesn't hurt. OK, so another real quick example. Yes, I, I was in love with this guy. Oh, my God. He was <laughs> everything. He was everything. He was beautiful. He was educated. He was world traveled, spoke nine languages. He was everything. And for my 50th birthday, he took me to South Africa. I was in love. (laughs) I haven't seen that man since that trip. He dumped me like a hot potato shortly after we got back. Um, I I said something that rubbed him the wrong way. And he just stopped taking my calls, stopped taking my emails. I was heartbroken. I I just walked around. Eckhart Tolle calls it a pain body. I walked around with this pain body in my system for two years because it was happened two years before I had run across radical forgiveness. And so, I mean, it was like, good morning, heartache. Here we go again. I'm, mm-hmm. looking, you know, I'm waiting for my heartache to start for the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I get to radical forgiveness and I started working, doing worksheets on them. And I don't know how many I did. I wish I had counted, but I would, we call it sheeting them. I sheeted them and I cried <laughs> and I sheeted them and I cried. And one day I was not sad anymore. I woke up and it was gone. The whole, the energy had dissipated and I was looking for it. Like, don't sneak up on me now. Where are you? And I could look at the pictures and laugh and remember the good times, you know, and I could talk to people about it instead of being humiliated. Like I had been for two years. Sure. Um, And, and so I, 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 I cannot tell you what a wonderful thing it was, you know? So I don't really, again, I don't remember how many worksheets I did, but um, sometimes it doesn't happen instantly. You have to just do it, you know, do it. I tell people do it till you can't cry about it anymore. Mm, to yeah. Do it until it just doesn't bother you anymore. You right. Know? And it will shift. It absolutely yeah. will shift. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's your relationship like now with just not just in relationships, romantic relationships, but relationships uh, within your family? What what's it like now that you have done the work? 
with your brother and just, you know, others that well, you've mentioned? My brother has, has passed on. Oh, but, I'm sorry. Um, that's okay. Um, my daughter and I, who we, I can tell you stories about her. She, I, I'm shocked that I haven't yet, but she and I have gone through it over the years. Mm. And right now it's all delightful. She and I live together. She and uh, we share a house and my granddaughter lives with us. And um, she has her entrance. I have my entrance and we just groove. We cook, you know, we share the cooking and we split the bills. And it is just to me, the epitome of joy. To That's be so good. Us. It is so good. It is so good. And so there's one little story I can tell about her. Um, I was angry with her one time because I had taken her daughter to Cleveland for a weekend and, or a week or however long. And uh, we come home and my plan was to take the MARTA, the uh, subway, so my granddaughter could get that experience. Mm -hmm. But our plane was late and it was dark and I didn't want to do that at night. So I called her and said, we just got here. Come, can you come get me? She, and she said, no, nah, I don't want to come get you. And I was so mad. I was so, mm -hmm. so mad. I was so, so mad. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up Ubering or whatever. But again, never wanting to have another argument. I just came in the house, went in my room, got out a worksheet or listened to the CD, whichever I did. And <laughs> hoo, 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 cried my little anguish out and did it a, probably a couple times knowing me. And then I came out. And she said, Ma, I really want you to understand. It was dark and I had already had a glass of wine and I just did not feel comfortable coming out. And I was okay with it, you know, I, I was okay. So then I said, well, what was that mirror? And the truth is, I used to be kind of rude to my mother. Mm. And I mean, I don't, I don't know that that was particularly rude, but I was, I would, I know that I did not always, um, acquiesce to my mother's wishes <laughs> so, sure. so it was she was showing me me that was up for healing a little bit of me from the past that was wow. up for healing yeah wow. and it was my opportunity to forgive myself because all forgiveness is self-forgiveness because of the mirror right. so I was able to forgive myself for having treated my mother uh un in unkindly ways in the past yeah Mm -hmm. Wow, that is really revolutionary. <laughs> it, it really is. <laughs> well, and when you can apply it to your own life experiences, mm -hmm. it sounds like e even in when when you asked your daughter to to come and get you, do you think that in the way that you asked her elicited that response from her? I mean, that there was like this reflection going on back and forth. It's all spiritual. It's, I mean, yeah. things are happening. We have got to stop thinking that this is it. This world we live in is it. Of there's course. a spiritual world always at work. You know, there's spiritual dimension that we're living in at the same time, you know, and, and so it's just a matter of accepting the fact that I attracted her experience. I, you know, I needed that from her. Um, I don't know what she got out of it. She probably got something out of it too, yeah. you know, on a spiritual level. But yeah, it was it was up for healing, and it showed up in her, you know. And some things wow. will show up in in uh, friends, and some things will show up in you know coworkers. And 
you know, the lessons are going to get learned. You might as well use some tools to help you help you. Get right. To, and you I might as well not resist it. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. I don't know how people make it without tools. I yeah. don't know how people make it without tools. Like Wow. Mm-hmm. Can you talk yeah. a little bit more about just your your parenting experience with with your daughter? Because I feel like, you know, I'm in that mode right now. And I feel like people who are going to listen to this and hear this right now are in, you know, when we talk about family, we think about, you know, our, our immediate family, our parents, our siblings. But the, I mean, what you mentioned about your relationship with your daughter sparked something right now, because I have teenagers and I'm, and I have a daughter and I, you know, and she just turned 14 and she is very determined and she is very intelligent and she is very sure about things. And I know that she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have two sons and, and, but, and, but my relationship with them is completely different, obviously. Mm-hmm. But yeah. so can you talk a little bit more just about your, your parenting experience with your well, daughter and, and the difficult time and then learning to <laughs> forgive in that? You have absolutely no idea. <laughs> 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 now, now I did. Uh, I also adopted two children, so oh, and I had two stepsons. So at one point, I had five teenagers in the house. Oh my god! And, oh yeah, it was Girl. absolute insanity, which tells me that I can change my life. <laughs> sure, I moved from pure absolute insanity to very. You see, I'm home now, and this is and right. Quiet. <laughs> you are the epitome of calm. <laughs> so this is the this is the most poignant story i would say for my daughter um first of all let me say that at 24 was married had a job a car a house and a degree at 24 my daughter had none of the above and wasn't trying to get any Mm. i was livid she's just living there not trying to make anything of herself Mm -hmm. so every coach has a coach so i go to my coach and i tell her this and she says well when you think of her what do you think and I said, I think she's a burden. Now, I adore this kid. But at that point, that's what I thought. And that's what popped up. So I, she, I, but at the same time, we were trying to figure out again, how come I wasn't using my voice? I wasn't, pre, you know, teaching or um, coaching or anything. And so um, I uh, started realizing that in junior high school, in the student government. I had given the graduation speech. I was in the public speaking club. I was really using my voice, you know, and then my parents separated mm-hmm. and my mother went into total victim mode. Woe is me. Woe is me. And I um, stopped everything. Mm-hmm. I just cut the, cause I didn't do any extracurricular in high school. I didn't do anything extracurricular in college because I didn't want to be a burden to my mother who Mm -hmm. was now alone and and a victim. So fast forward 20 some years, who shows up to mirror that energy of burden that I was still walking around with, Mm. but my daughter. Mm -hmm. So I did my forgiveness work on my daughter, on my mother, on my father, on myself. And within a week, my daughter decided, I'm gonna move and live over here with so-and-so. I was like, okay. All of a sudden, I was releasing other burdens that I didn't even realize I had. Mm -hmm. I had a woman who worked for me who um, 
I couldn't trust her with her expense accounts. I couldn't trust her to be where she said she was going to be. She was a real burden. Mm -hmm. She moved out of town. I had a woman who lived on my street who had had a stroke, couldn't drive. Out for, for a year and a half, I had been taking her back and forth to church, mm -hmm. which was a burden. If I decided I didn't want to go, I had to wake up to call her and tell her I wasn't going to church. Right. She moved off my street. And the biggest was I had three credit cards, big bills that had, you know, I missed a payment and the interest rates skyrocketed. I didn't know what I was going to do about those credit cards. Unexpected income came and paid off all three of those credit cards. Wow. All of this within a month or so. And so wow. I'm telling you, the energy we walk with mm. is expressed on the outside. And when we change our energy, it shifts on the outside. Yeah. Absolutely. And I can't tell you, I can tell you example after example after example of people who, you know, people who I, who come to me and it just changes their lives. It just changes their lives. You know, right. I had a woman who had, when I met her, she and her husband were separated. Her, she and her kids were really, really angry with him. Um, they started doing the work and uh, now you see them on Facebook, they're traveling the world. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> having a good old time together. They're back together. The whole family's happy. Yeah. It yeah. works. It works. Wow. It's shifting that energy. Woo, man. I think, well, I, well, I realize I have a lot of work to do. <laughs> <laughs> and I would offer, I would, I just, I would just say it's not an intellectual exercise. You know, these are, these are, um, emotional wounds and they require mm -hmm. emotional healing. Mm -hmm. That's why the five stages are important. You've got to go through, do using the tools, you go through the telling the story, you go through feeling the feelings, collapsing the story, reframing the story and integrating the shift. Mm -hmm. I, just to think it through, oh, this is a mirror. I know that I am, this is mirroring something. It's not gonna change. You've got to go through that feeling. You can't heal what you can't feel. Right. You to go through all those stages. So to make radical forgiveness work. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, this has been so amazing. I think we could go on for probably another hour. <laughs> I don't want to take <laughs> up too much of your time. Mm -hmm. um, it has been so enlightening and so empowering and so powerful and um, and really life changing. Yes. Life changing. life changing. So thank you so much. Oh my You're gosh. Welcome. You you asked for a little, let me just share four steps. Okay. If people wanted to memorize or write that down, write this down. This is called the four step process. It's what happens when you're in the middle of an upset and you can't get away to do a worksheet. You can't get away to write the three letters or whatever. Um, it's called the four steps. So you just would memorize this or put it on a piece of paper and keep it in your wallet. But the four steps are, look what I created. You know, something happens, you know, you have a blow up with your boss or you have a, a incident with your spouse and you can just right there in your space say, "What? look what happened, look what I created. And that's empowering because if we create it, we can recreate it. Mm -hmm. um, the second step is I notice my feelings and love myself for having them. Sometimes we want to beat ourselves up just for being angry, you know, for sure. letting somebody get to us that way. Well, we're human beings. We're going to have feelings. So we want to love ourselves through them. You know, I notice my feelings and love myself for having them. The third um, step is 
I am willing to see the perfection in this situation, keeping in mind all things happen for our spiritual growth. Willingness is a very powerful energy. It doesn't mean that it's, we're convinced or convicted. It just means we're willing to see the perfection in this situation. Mm -hmm. And number four is, I know that when I am ready, I can choose peace. It's a choice. You know, right. you don't have to be mad. Nobody's making you mad. It's a choice. Right. So I know that when I'm ready, I can choose peace. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's amazing. And I love what you said earlier, that there are only two things in life, love and fear. And yeah. we choose either one of those. Yep. It's a choice. You can choose love or fear at any point. Wow. We have been talking today with Kim Kennedy. She is a radical forgiveness coach. We've been talking about the fear of forgiving family members. And this has been amazing. I will have a links to your website, Kim, and also some of the worksheets in the description. So if you want to do the work on finally getting over the fear of forgiving and just start to learn how to forgive and go through the process of radical forgiveness. I'll have links to some of the worksheets um, there in the description. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Kim, again, for your time. I would love to have you back as okay. we continue to go through this, this, uh, this podcast. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're up for it, I, I'd love to have you as a regular. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. Anytime, awesome. anytime. Yeah, look, I, my, like I used to say, everybody's entitled to my not so humble opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, oh love thank it. you for having me. Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you, uh, everyone, for joining us today on another episode of Fuck Fear. Get over your fears, release, and find new energy. We will see you next time. Coming up on a new episode of Fuck Fear. I have come to realize that this place of forgiving ourselves is the most poignant, tender place we will ever find in all of our psyche. Forgiveness is not just about the other person. It's also about us. NPR guest and forgiveness expert Anna Holub says what is also true is that we're sometimes afraid to forgive ourselves. We talk about why. And we talk about how we can be better to ourselves. Be sure to join us on a new episode of the Fuck Fear podcast where we talk about our fears and learn ways to get through them so that we can live more peacefully and more freely. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. If you feel led, I'd love for you to write a review, check out other episodes. And as always, thank you for listening.